1: 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on
0: 6.30 Chad. The way Nugent Hopkins
1: to win it, between circles, shoots and scores!
2: Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in oh!
3: to the left side he'll hit Corey Watson with it he'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20 Corey Watson inside
0: the 10 touchdown Eskimos Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams this is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos 630 champ
3: the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team revealed today little different vibe then the last couple of decades, no McDavid, no Crosby, no Lindros, no Taves, no Gretzky, heck, no Ray Bork. Of course, the NHL not in the Olympics for the first time since 1994. Some names you might recognize in gold, Justin Peters, Ben Scrivens, he played for the Oilers. Gilbert Brulé's on the team, so's Rob Klinkhammer, so's Derek Roy. They were all Edmonton Oilers. Chris Kelly was skating with the Oilers earlier this season. You got Mason Raymond on the team, former Camaro's Kodiak. We interviewed him on this show during the Spengler Cup. They will go for gold for Canada. Will as many people watch? I doubt it. But do we want them to win? Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. It was 1994, the last time Canada did not send NHL players to the Olympics and one of the top guys on that team joins me now, Todd halushko on the show. Todd, you're on with Reed. Thanks for making time for us. How are you doing?
2: Anytime time, Hopefully I can warm things up there in Edmonton. I, I, you're from, I'm, I'm in Toronto right now, and it's 10 degrees. And what did I hear? Minus 30 degrees in Edmonton right now? Is that what it
3: is? Uh, I think with the wind, chill, we're around minus 30. Yeah, It reaches a uh, point where I just kind of tune it out until I know it's going to get yeah. warm again. It's like, okay, I've got to dress warm, and I can't walk more than a block outside. That's, yeah, you, just, just, you just live just, with
2: it. Just stay indoors. I heard you say the one thing that you don't think there'll be that many people watching it. I disagree with you 100%. I think that once it starts, I think the build-up right now uh, isn't as big, obviously, for the reason that you said. We don't have the NHL guys there. But I think as soon as the tournament starts, people are going to get curious. They're going to see some good stories that are going to happen. And I truly believe that if you're a hockey fan in general, you're going to tune in and you're going to support this team. That's just the way Canada's
3: built. Well, and I, I love that you said that. The good stories. Uh, I mean, Wojtek Volski, uh I, I just before I came in, so I, I rushed that he, he came back from a bad neck injury. Uh, Chris Kelly is another story. I mean, I, I talked to him when he was he was on the with the Oilers on a PTO, and then he kept practicing with the team. You know, Rob Klinkhammer was briefly an Oiler. He's been in Europe, so I, I hope people do embrace the stories and catching up on guys who have. Played in the NHL because there is tons of NHL experience on the roster, even if they're not currently in there.
2: Well, I mean, it, it is, and it, it's a, a little bit different makeup too. When when uh, we were playing in '94, I mean, I think this team is about average age, is 31 years old. So this is this is a team that's built on experience. Uh, you know, guys that that may have had a shot. I think you know the forwards. There's a lot of experience NHL experience. Uh, defense not so much, but th- this is going to be a team that's. I think, I mean, you look at the, the entire Olympic format, everyone is going to suffer a little bit not having the best players there. Uh, and at the end of the day, though, you know, these Canadian players, and I've tweeted it out a couple times today already, that you know they are so proud. There's dreams that have been made today. And it's, it's a pretty cool experience for these guys that, you know, maybe were either journeymen, maybe at the tail end of their career, but to be able to put their jersey on and go represent Canada at these Olympic games, I'll tell you right now, it's going to rejuvenate them. They're all going to find the fountain of youth for a good two-week period. And, uh, you know, I like their chances. I like the makeup of this team. I like the speed. I like the experience. Uh, I, I, you know, yes, it's not the NHL players or the, the, the cream of the crop, but I think the parody of this tournament is going to make it that much more fun to watch. There's going to be no blowouts. Uh, there will be a few upsets, but I think that's what makes the Olympics a little bit more fun.
3: Todd, 1994. What was the lead-up? Like to you for you for the tournament. I mean, when were you selected? What did you have to go through? When did you know for sure you were going to be in the games?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit different than than the way they did it this year. Um, obviously, back then in '90, I was part of a, a national team, uh, which was a full time team that we toured around Canada. We went to Europe. We did things. We were all we trained as a team the entire year, so we had a, we had our own program. And, and this year, obviously, guys played in a couple of tournaments, but they weren't around the whole time. They just get put together, and they get selected off of, I believe, seven tournaments that they played this year. My time, we had teammates. We were together all year. Mind you, it was a, uh, you know, a revolving door. People were coming in, and they, I think we had 60 or 70 players that year as well trying out. Um, I didn't know that I made the team until basically until I had the, the accreditation around my neck. I mean, it's, it's a pretty – Brian Tutt, who's a, a Western guy, I, I still remember – um, was one of the defensemen, and we brought in Brad Warenka, an ex Edmonton Oiler, that came in. And you know, the day before the Olympics were going to start, uh, Brian Tut got told that he's off the team because we we're off the team because we brought in Brad Warenka from the Oilers. And I mean, so you didn't know, you weren't safe uh, until you actually were in the village, you were in your room, and actually on the ice for the first practice. That's when we finally we finally knew we made the team. So it was a uh, it was a scary proposition. Leading up all the way to the Olympics, knowing that you could be replaced at any moment.
3: Todd Halusko joining us on Inside Sports played for Team Canada in the 1994 Winter Olympics. What's the uh, once the tournament got started? I mean, Canada's always a favorite, just because. Canada always is a favorite in international mm-hmm. hockey. Did did you you know? Did you sense that you had the bullseye from other teams? I mean, I assume be, beating Canada, I think, is always a big deal for other countries once you get into competition.
2: Well, it is, but back then, you know, to, to tell you the truth, we were uh, we had a lot of preliminary games, so we we played against the U.S. as I believe it was eleven times uh, in pre-Olympic tournaments. They crushed us. I mean, we were two wins, eight losses, and a couple of ties. Uh, they had our number. We played in bigger tournaments, international tournaments, the Globe Cup in Sweden, where we'd go 0-4. So to tell you the truth, we went into this tournament uh, as big underdogs. I mean, we, I think they had us ranked number 8th or 9th, and rightly so. We, just, we weren't winning games, and we didn't have the, the top-end talent. and um, we, we were a bunch of ham and eggers, and it was a bunch of guys that I think our average age was maybe 20, 21 years – or not that young, sorry – about 24 years of age. But we, our, own, our oldest player at the time was Wally Schreiber, who was 31. And, uh, you know, that's the average age of this team. We didn't have a lot of experience. We had a bunch of young guys that were in, either in college or maybe one year at a pro. Um, you know, obviously the, the likes of Paul Correa helped. And, you know, the guys like Brian Savage and Greg Johnson and, and Corey Hirsch. But these guys weren't big no-names aside from Paul Correa being a, a 19-year-old whiz, uh, you know, a, a protege uh, coming up. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of us. So it's a little bit different now than it was back then. We were trying to carve out careers where the majority of these guys have already had a pretty significant career. Uh, they've got a lot of experience. So it's a little bit different from 94. But uh, ultimately, you know, still the same. You put on that jersey and you're damn proud to be a Canadian. and You want to bring back uh, a medal for Canada out of the Olympics.
3: You went through the medal round with a record of 3-1-1. The way the tournament worked then, there were two pools of six. uh, Pretty simple. Top four qualified. You crossed over and played the other pool in the quarterfinals. You beat Czech Republic in overtime in the quarterfinal. I believe Brian Savage tied it relatively late in the third period. And Paul Correa won it. I, I, was that off a of faceoff play, or was that Savage's tying goal? That was. I remember something off a of faceoff yeah. in that game. No,
2: the, face, the, the Savage scores uh, late in the third to tie it up, and then the actual the overtime goal was actually we were on a power play, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying to remember Peter but I, I think one the one the draw back went to our point. Slap shot was taken. It didn't get all the way through. Hit a skate in front, and uh, Paul Korea was in the high slot, and he was able to fire it. It was just a quick shot. It was along the ice and went five hole and went in, and that gave us the victory. And that was, when we won that game, uh, we knew we were dealing with house money after that. And anything could happen. We knew we were going to play for a medal of of either bronze, silver, gold, whatever it was. We knew we were getting a medal game, and, and that was pretty cool. And a very, very emotional time, obviously, for us, especially for a bunch of ragtag guys, that there wasn't too much to be expected from us. Finding ourselves in the top four with a chance to win a medal was pretty cool.
3: You guys played Finland in the semis. You were trailing 2 0 with about four minutes left in the third, second period. Pardon me, second period. You scored a goal that set off a run of five goals in about the next 19 minutes. Uh, Finland got one with just a minute left for a little bit of window dressing for them. You guys won the game 5 3. Uh, so your goal really opened the floodgates in that one, Todd.
2: Well, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, uh, obviously, it was uh, they, they were up on us two nothing. And Finland for me, and, and I say it to, to a lot of people now, like today, is Finland was the best team in the tournament '94 by uh, hands down. I mean, uh, I think Sweden was elated that they didn't have to play Finland. Everyone that didn't have to face them in the playoffs uh, playoff round, and they knew that that we did, and the fact that we were able to knock them off. Other teams were were, were joyous because that team was unbelievable and. We just got onto a run, we got a hot goaltender in Hershey that game, and uh, we, were, we were making the most of our opportunities. So to get that one goal to make it 2-1, yeah, that was a, a pretty, big, pretty, good, pretty big goal for myself. But the team, we just rallied around it, and again, five straight goals um, was pretty impressive, and they were shocked. And then, you know, after the games, I still, I talk to Saka Koyavu uh, a lot these days, I still bump in him, and, and a lot of times when we talk, it's, it's about that game, and, and they couldn't believe that we beat them. And, and honestly, we, we didn't, after the game was over, we were kind of in awe because this team was that good. Um, but we reached out and we figured out a way to win, and we had a chance to, uh, to get to the gold medal game. And, uh, you know, made, it, made our country proud. It was pretty cool.
3: The gold medal game was a 3-2 shootout loss against Sweden. It was a bit of a wild third period. Paul Correa tied it with about 11 minutes left. Derek Mayer put you guys ahead a couple minutes later. A goal with just under two minutes to go from Sweden. Uh, A dramatic game. Obviously, at that time, Canada was still trying to break the long gold medal drought. Look, I know you wish you had a gold medal instead of a silver packed away on display or wherever it is wherever it is in your house or in your possession, uh, but just the memories of that game, what do you remember about the, the tension and the excitement?
2: Well, I, I just remember that you know, we beat Sweden in the uh, qualifying round 3-2, and you know, they, they were a good team, and that gave us a lot of confidence going into the gold medal game. Uh, and the fact that you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, we just knew that you know, it's a 60-minute game, uh, and it didn't matter, uh, you know, what had happened in the past, like in, in tournaments leading up to qualifying. Sweden had her number pretty much, and, and so did the USA. But we just needed – we'd come together at the right time. And when we went into that third period, uh, and we ended up, you know, tying it up and then going ahead with about four minutes left. And I just – I remember sitting on the bench going, like, looking back at the two years that I'd spent in the national team and looked at some of the guys that had been around with me. I'm like, my goodness, like, it's coming to this point where – you know, every, this is going to turn into an absolute fairy tale, and then, you know, unfortunately, uh, they end up scoring a late power play goal with about a minute and a half left in the game, and we go to to overtime. Nothing happens there. We go to the shootout, and we all know what happened with Peter Forsberg with that beautiful uh, goal that he beat Corey Hirsch with, and then and then Paul Crean not being able to tie it up after scoring in the preliminary uh, shootout. Uh, you know, it was. I look at it nowadays, and, and we're at the time you're very disappointed, and. You look back now, and I I don't ever say that we ever lost the gold medal game. I just say we lost in a skills competition. So, um, you know, I I don't get too upset about it. It sucked that it was a silver. But at the end of the day, we accomplished something that nobody thought we could. No one thought we were going to get a medal at all of any color. And The fact that we went into the gold medal game and probably produced one of the best gold medal games in Olympic history uh, was pretty neat to be a part of.
3: Todd you had a good tournament you had you had five goals over the course of the tournament to tie for the Canadian lead I was trying to find a record of the shootout I I can only find a list of the players who scored did you have a shootout attempt
2: no I didn't uh that that was that was never my forte it was kind of you know I I just one of those things where I had a good tournament was right spot at right times I got some nice dishes and nice feeds and sometimes you you give that guy who's your hot player a chance to go in and shoot but uh you know I was uh, I we had practices and I was never really that great in shootout so I wasn't too uh, distraught not getting an opportunity to shoot and I mean the amount of pressure from just watching these guys go shoot I remember uh, you know, on the other side Hawk and Lou who's won a Stanley Cup Matt Naslin it got into the second round of the shootout and these guys that were Stanley Cup veterans uh, tons of games they told their coach they didn't want to go in the next round they said the pressure was too much and I understood what they were talking about, sitting there watching. So not too disappointed uh, that I didn't get a chance to shoot, and I was happy with the tournament I had. But we had the right guys shooting for us. We had Paul Korea, Peter Nedved, uh, Dwayne Norris, Greg Parks, and Brian Savage, all very good uh, and very top-end shooters. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get it done that day, but uh, the right guys were shooting, that's for sure.
3: Todd, this has been a great chat. We're going to have to catch up again. Before I let you go, you sort of touched on this off the top, but let me just ask it to you point blank. In terms of the three goalies, eight defensemen and 14 forwards going to represent Canada in this year's Olympic hockey tournament, if you could talk to one of them for 30 seconds, what advice would you give?
2: Well, I, first of all, I mean, a lot of these guys have been around and, you know, what's going on and they'll lean-on guys. Like a guy like Chris Kelly who's got a Stanley Cup, Rene Bork, I mean, they've got they 've got a pedigree, you know which is second to none, and a lot of experience, but I would say you know you go to this, you just enjoy it, and the minute you put that jersey on uh, you're representing uh, not just yourself, you're representing the country, so uh, you make sure that you give it one hundred and ten percent, and they do every single time and just enjoy the experience, which I know a lot of these are a lot of these guys uh, this is a dream come true for a lot of them, but it goes so fast you got to sit back, you got to drink it in a little bit. And you've got to enjoy it because before you know it, it's all over.
3: Todd, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. I'm glad we were able to connect. Please keep in touch. Awesome interview.
2: Yeah, no, anytime, Reed, And uh, I know that you do a lot of the uh, the Oilers pregame, as I do uh, the Leafs here in Toronto. And uh, listen, you got to get those guys going. It was a dream everyone's wanted it. They want to see an Oilers Leafs final in the Stanley Cup. You guys got a little bit of work to do. We're doing okay up here. Get those guys to pull their
3: socks up and get that uh, get that team winning again. Right on. See you, Todd. See you, buddy. Todd Halushko checking in. Man, that was great to talk to him. Uh, some memories of 1994. He was on the last team before this year to be made up of non-Canadian NHL players competing in the Olympic Games. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll have uh, the latest on the Edmonton Oilers. As we roll along, we'll update the scoreboard inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched.
2: You asked me to be your savior.
3: All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Behavior. Calgary leading Tampa Bay 1-0 after the first period. How about Michael Furland, his 19th goal of the season? In the second period, Carolina leads Washington 1-zip. Jordan Stahl with a shorthanded goal. In Buffalo, the Sabres are up 1-0 on Columbus. That's in the second period. Benoit Pouliot getting his ninth goal of the season in that one. Just the three games tonight. The Oilers will play the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. They were back at practice today. Here's Milan Lucic.
0: Just trying to get something out of the road trip. I think a lot of good things came out of the national game, obviously, except the result. Uh, We got back to playing the way, you know, we are supposed to play and, uh, you know, something to build off there. Obviously, uh, you know, you can look at the standings and think that the Coyotes are going to be a pushover, but... that's that's definitely not the case especially if you look at the oilers uh history against the coyotes so uh they're a team that works a lot of young guys trying to establish themselves uh in the league and gave um, you all you wanted uh, in your place exactly you know we had to beat them in overtime in the last in the last couple seconds so uh we know it's not going to be easy we know we gotta be ready to work we gotta know we gotta be ready to play and uh like you said we got to salvage something from this uh from this road trip.
3: All right, the Oilers 0 and 3 on the road trip so far. They have just one win in their last eight games. They have scored only four goals in their last six. The Oilers update from Nisku Ford, every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. We'll have the final two games of the road trip, final two games before the Oilers buy here on 6:30 Chad. Tomorrow, 530 face-off show game at seven against Arizona. Then on Saturday, the Oilers visit the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop on Saturday night. And uh, Vegas, obviously, way ahead of the Oilers in the standings, though when they played earlier in the season, Vegas' worst loss of the year, Edmonton's most lopsided victory, 8-2. The Oilers were able to route. Vegas in that one. Both these teams that the Oilers are going to face coming off their bye weeks, so that'll be uh, interesting to see how they react to that. All right. Also, can tell you that earlier today, a young man by the name of Mark Spector, who works for Sportsnet, put out a tweet regarding a player available to other teams off the Oilers roster in a trade. Should other teams be interested? We'll address that. A little Olympic talk with Mark as well. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. We're coming back after the 630 news. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Mark Letestu, the most recent oiler to put the puck in the other team's net, but not to score a goal because it didn't count, thanks to the offside review the other night against the Nashville Predators. It has been tough in a lot of ways for the Oilers lately. We're going to talk about that with Mark Spector. Before I bring Mark onto the show, he may or may not remember briefly uh, working for the Edmonton Drillers Indoor Soccer Club during the 1999-2000 season from November to March. Uh, I then got my first broadcasting job in Lloyd Minster in October of 2000. The drillers folded. Actually, about a month ago, we had uh, Wojtek Wojcicki. In studio, the owner of that uh, club, and he took us through some of the trials and tribulations of trying to own the that team at the time. Uh, but I remember uh, the uh, the general manager team was Joe Petroni, who uh, I think would be well known in the soccer community. And one day he said to me, Reed, you need to type up something for me here and fax it to everybody in the league that these two players are available by trade if they're wanted." So I. Uh, typed it out and dutifully typed in the fax number for the other 10 or 11 teams in the league individually, and uh, so it went. Today, Mark Spector tweeted, Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli informed all NHL teams by email today of Anton Slepyshev's availability in a trade. The winger recently became waiver eligible. And Mark Spector joins us now. Good evening, Mark.
1: How are you, Reed? Uh, I wonder, is there a team in town that's folded more times than the Edmonton Drillers? Various variations going all the way back to the old NASL, the outdoor team that I think Pocklington can own back then?
3: Uh, Probably not. The history of soccer in this city is uh, not a great one. A lot of people have tried. And I will say this, the Faths tried really hard, and I think they're still going to try. There's the Canadian Premier Soccer League, that they want to watch uh, launch in 2019. I, I had a, a guy from a fan group on the show last night that uh, wants to keep the interest and motivation going for that. But it is a it is a tough sell for a lot of different reasons. And I'm sure you've you've covered many of these teams, Mark. And I know, I know a lot of great soccer people in the city who, uh, through probably no fault of their own, have uh, lost employment when these teams haven't lasted.
1: Oh, for sure. And I mean, I honestly, I go back to. I remember being a little, little kid in the Edmonton Gardens, if you can believe this, where the indoor soccer drillers were playing for the NASL Indoor Championship against somebody. And I remember my dad taking me to the game. So we're talking, I mean, we're talking 70s. I was probably, maybe not that little, maybe I was 10. But the point I'm making is, I'm, I'm 52 years old. So it goes back a long time in this town, the professional soccer gig. And... It has had a hard time. A lot of guys, and Joe Petroni is at the front of the line, right? Those probably spent more money on it than Joe. Uh, money, efforts, sweat, tears, uh, and to this day, we're still sort of doing the same thing to, you know, relatively not enough success, at least to pay the bills, unfortunately.
3: Okay, so your tweet reminded me of the fact story, but obviously these yeah. days it's it's done by email, Uh, Anton Slepichov was a guy who was uh, hoped to step up and score a little bit more this year. He was hurt and uh, has never really got it going and never really stayed in the lineup. I I have no doubt he's the type of player you'd make available to other teams. I do have some doubt about how many other teams would be interested in his availability, Mark.
1: Well, this is a... You know, this is a... uh, It doesn't cost any money to send that email out. What Pete Shirelli and every every GM in the league knows this, Shirelli is, is... Is sees himself having to put Slepeshev on waivers fairly quickly, uh, which means, obviously, you would lose him for free. So all this is is a last-hope possible effort that maybe there's a team that's a little light on the wing that, that is higher up in the league that's thinking to themselves, you know, we'll never get this guy on waivers because there's 20 teams ahead of us, but we will give you another contract or we'll give you a seventh-round conditional pick it's just Peter throwing an email out before the next. The next email is Anton Slavachev on waivers going to Bakersfield, and and now that's a separate conversation. Whether a uh, uh, you know a guy who's been pro as long as he has in North America as a Russian, how much time he feels like spending in the AHL
3: at this point? You know he did okay in the playoffs, and, and I do think he has a decent shot, and he and I think he has had. You know, times when he's looked good at protecting the puck and forechecking, but it just hasn't all come together for him. I don't know if that's injury related, or just you know never really adjusting to the NHL game. I don't know, but I, I was I really had I won't say high hopes for this guy's, but but I I thought uh, support scoring hopes for him at the very least.
1: Well, I think everyone did. He had a he he gave some support scoring in the playoffs. I think he had what did he have last year. Did he had seven regular season goals, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I think Slepeshev is, is a sort of a microcosm of the Oilers' season, isn't he? You know, we saw a guy who was pretty good last year. We thought, well, if he's at least that good, we'll like him. And there's every chance he could be a little bit better. And as it turns out, not only is he not as good as he was, or not better than he was last year, he's nowhere near as good. And, you know, he had three points, uh, excuse me, three goals in the playoffs in 12 games, so he was a support scorer. And much like the greater roster, uh, he took a step back this year. And uh, when you're starting where he started, there's not much room when you start going backwards.
3: Mark Spector from Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports. And, of course, the Oilers are back at it tomorrow against Arizona. They practiced today. They had their uh, golf event with uh, owner Daryl Cates yesterday. And uh, back at practice today. It looked like the same lineup that went against Nashville, but we'll see what happens for the morning skate t- tomorrow. Mark, I had Todd Halushko on the show. He played in the 1994 Olympics for Team Canada. The okay. last year there weren't NHL players. Uh, it was a, a different vibe back then. Uh, I mean, there, the, the, the games were two years apart because they used to have the Olympics, both Olympics in the same year. They did that in 92, and then they decided we're going to offset them. So there were Winter Olympics in 92 and 94. I was in university for both of them. The games were overseas. You might. I remember walking through a hub mall between classes and watching as much of a Canada game as I could because it was odd in, in, yeah. in the middle of the day. Yeah. And the fun part for me at that time, and there's a generation of fans that have lost this, but you were watching Brian Savage before he was in the NHL. Who's this guy? You were thinking, is this Paul Correa actually going to be as good as as he might be? What about this Corey Hirsch guy? Could he possibly play in the NHL? I I know the guys who are on this team. Most of them we know, but that's that's my memories of the tournament. It's like, yeah, I, I don't. Re- I, my first memory of of Brian Savage, for example, is not as a Montreal Canadian. It's him scoring a. a some big goals in the Winter Olympics, the first few times I ever saw him play. Well, and also back then, you'd get, I recall even before
1: that, like when Andy Moog would have a holdout for the Edmonton Oilers, he'd go hang out with the Olympic team. And there was usually one or two legit NHLers kicking around that team. You know, as I recall, Chris Draper went through that team, and there's another guy who, who emerged as a longtime NHLer. So what's the difference now, Reed, right? Let's face it, all of the guys on this team. Uh, are probably done with the NHL. It's not out of. Uh, it's not completely out of the realm of, realm of possibility that somebody's career gets revitalized by a good Olympics, right? Someone gets picked up and given another chance. Um, but these guys, I mean, there's two things in this for me. These guys are are, you know, their NHL dreams are probably over. And the other thing is, and this is, I, I, I'm trying to keep a positive mindset on this Olympics because. Once it comes, it's going to be fun to watch, and we're all going to cheer for the Red Maple Leafs because that's what we do. But it's inevitably going to be compared with what we've watched for the last several Olympics. You know, Sid's golden goal and, and the uh, you know, the Salt Lake City, that great game they played there, at the great Olympic tournaments with all our best players at Ginla and, and you know, all the all our favorites, the Niedermeyer, you know, when he was in them and Carry Price and you name it. So uh, that's going to be something that, that there's going to have to be some kind of flame or spark or fiery that this thing can overcome the fact that, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. The pedigree of hockey will not be close. Is that fair?
3: Yes, absolutely. Though no, I have had some people texting in saying there there may not be as many blowouts. I'm not sure about that. Um, Canada is in a pool with Czech Republic, Switzerland, and South Korea. Uh, Jim Pack is a former teammate of Rob Brown. We've had him on the show a couple of times talking uh, mm-hmm. so he could talk to me. I, I don't expect South Korea to be that competitive, despite uh, no. I know Jim is busting his butt there. I think there is still is still going to be some lopsided games. Let me ask you this, Mark. Is this going to be the tournament where people might watch, they'll be interested but if Canada doesn't do that well, the result will be disregarded, and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be because we know we know as Canadian hockey fans, Rob, we can be a little snobby, even though we can be <laughs> humble. We can yeah. still have that snobbery. Are we if if we finish fourth? Are we gonna be like, whatever? We would have killed you with NHL players. Yeah,
1: this is the only sport where we become Americans. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because we're the best in the world at it, and we let everybody know. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, for sure. Like it, You know what this is? This is the 1974 Summit Series when we sent the WHA guys, right? Right. And we didn't win. I remember Igor Kravchuk once said to me, we were busting his butt about the 72 Series and now Henderson. He, he goes, wait a second. He says, how come you guys never talk about the 74 Series over here? Like, did that happen too, remember? And we won. And we go, ah, that didn't happen. He sent the WHA. I think that's where we are here, it's an easy, you know, we'll cheer if we win, and if we lose we'll go, oh, well, they weren't, it wasn't best on best, so, you know, let's flip over and watch
3: a little bobsledding here. (laughs) Have have you, how many Olympics, you've covered the Olympics, haven't you, Mark?
1: Yeah, I've been to uh,
3: three Winter Olympics. Was it always hockey you did, or did you ever get another beat?
1: No, I did lots of stuff. Uh, Personally, just, uh, and it's a personal thing, I mean, obviously the tournament's fabulous, and I did cover a bunch of hockey there, but my, my joy of going to the Olympics is it's once every four years you get a chance to cover Jen Heil in the Moguls and the cover of speed skating and all these weird sports that you never get to watch. Believe me, as you know, Reed, we watch a lot of NHL hockey. So yeah, you, you know it's a great tournament, and it's an honor to cover and, and all of that, but it's also a blast to go up in the mountain and cover a downhill once in a while. That was sort of my preference at going over to the Olympics.
3: All right, I'm going to throw one more at you, Mark, before I let you go. Sportsnet's Mark Spector joining us on the show. I did not tell you I was going to ask you this. What's what's worse, the NHL using slow-mo to review offsides or the NFL using slow-mo to review catches?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what a debate, <laughs> right? That's an excellent <laughs> analogy. And, and I think there's a greater picture here. Um, you know, there's also, let's throw in... Uh, The old uh, area play at second base that doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. I kind of looking back. I kind of miss the area play at second base because it made everyone's life a little easier. So, I think the bigger picture is what video. You know, we've all we all sought perfection through video replay, and now we've got it. And be careful what you wish for. Right now, we're looking at it and going, you know what? I never cared when the guy's foot was off the ice like Cara when when he was a foot and a half onside right he's not offside his foot's just in the air so it's a problem that we've created for ourselves most of our listeners this evening asked for this problem reed is that fair i think it is fair most of them complained when a little thing went wrong and they said we got to get this better well now we've got it and i for one uh, kind of like the old days a little what about you
3: Oh, well, I, yeah, most, most listeners would go back. I don't know if they asked for the offside challenge. I think they like the goal line technology. I don't know if anybody ever wanted the, the offside challenge.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, and it's, but, I mean, if that was Pandora's box, right? You know, well, it works so well with the goal line. Why aren't we using it on the other lines?
3: Yeah, yeah, I know, and and I brought up the catch thing, and a lot of people will bring up pass interference and illegal contact in the in the CFL. I I'm the type of guy where it's like if it happens where points are going to directly be put on the board, review it. If it's if it's something else, leave it alone. Stuff's going to yeah. get missed.
1: It's become it certainly has become an animal that we none of us really fully had our head around when we when the road began to be traveled and uh now try turning back you know now try to go back to what we had i don't know if you can anymore
3: mark you're incredibly generous with your time this is very fun when we do this thank you so yeah. much for chiming in tonight buddy hey
1: call anytime man take care reed
3: the Sportsnet's mark specter weighing in and again the tweet he put out earlier today that uh, the Oilers have uh, emailed every other team in the league to say that Anton Slepishov is available in a trade if anybody is interested some guests including Mark get gift certificates to Northern Chicken enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken 10704 124th Street I should remind you you can always reach out by texting 63630 our phone number 7804960063 took a lot of calls yesterday and after the Oilers game on Tuesday about the offside review. I don't know if if you guys might be all open-lined out for tonight. Probably hear from you after the game tomorrow. Quick timeout, it is 6.49, Inside Sports on Chet.
1: Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
3: The Nuge and Connor McDavid tied for the Oilers team lead in goals with 15 each. Haven't seen a lot of goal scoring lately by the Oilers, just four in their last six games. All right, so uh, Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. What's up, How's it going, old boy? It's going. How about you? Good. Uh, You might, uh, if I ask, uh, I I know ballpark. How old are you again? Like 52? (laughs) Uh, Take 20 years off that. You're 32 years old. Yeah. It's 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. So you were born in 1986? Uh, Late 85, actually. Late 85. Yeah. So do you remember the 1994 Winter Olympics? I do. Okay. I do. Let's do this. Okay. Oh, do you remember? Or, or, or do you remember the name? Anything about the... Uh, here's the 1994 Canadian men's Olympic hockey team. Okay, so it's just... Do I remember the person? Do you remember or? the person? Okay. E- either during the Olympics or later on in their NHL right, career. Right, okay. Uh, Todd Holushko. Hopefully, it, because yeah, we just had him on the we show. We just had him on the show, At the, the very show, least, yeah. you remember him being on the show... He 40, was with the Leafs, though, after, 40, right? 40 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh... No, he was a Cal- he was a Philadelphia Flyer, okay, and then a yeah. Calgary Flame, and then he played two playoff games for the Penguins. Right, he played 79 NHL games.
1: Okay, yeah, but I do remember watching him Todd play Alusha. somewhere. Peter yeah.
3: Nedved. Oh, obviously, yes. Paul Kariya. Yes, obviously. Chris Contos. Yes. All right. Yes, that name was. Uh, I can't remember what team he played well, with. Well, Tampa Bay, I think, was where he had the big playoffs. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Norris. No. Okay. Brian Savage. Yes, obviously. Montreal yeah. Canadians, right? Yeah. Brad Warenka. Yep. Yeah. Derek Meyer. Mm, no. No, okay. Greg Parks. Should've heard of Greg Parks. Yes, I have actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. John Yves. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Wally Schreiber. Yes. Actually. Excellent. Todd yeah. Warrener. Yes. Mark Astley. Not Rick Astley. Mark Astley. No. Okay. Adrian O'Coin. Oh, obviously. Sure. Yep. David Harlock. I do not remember David no, Harlock. No, I don't either. Uh, Greg Johnson. I think there were there was more than one player yeah. named Greg Johnson. So we'll just say, we have a Greg Johnson working in this building, don't yeah.
1: we? Yeah. Yeah. It could have been him. Who knows? It's
3: good. <laughs> don't, I don't think it's the same guy. <laughs> Fabian Joseph. Not no. Curtis Joseph. Not Chris Joseph. Fabian Joseph. No. Okay. No. No. Ken Loveson. L-O-V-S-I-N. No. No. Brad Schlegel. Nope. I remember that name from the tournament. Well, okay. this guy, Chris Terrian. Oh, yeah. And he's now a Flyers broadcaster as well. Yeah. And then, of course, the goaltender, Corey Hirsch. Yes. So about a little over half ring a mm-hmm. bell for you. Yeah. Some obscure yep. names in there. Absolutely. For sure. So that was the 94 team, yep. last non-NHL team to represent Canada at the Olympics. Yep. They won the Silver Medal. And I just remember Korea and Forsberg, that tournament, just tearing up the scoring race for whatever reason. Like, they were the two top guns. I you know what? I actually have. Hold on a second. Here. Oh, here we go. Uh, I got to go back to the right page now. I I have the scoring leaders. Mm-hmm. I just got to go back cuz I then I opened other pages. 98 and 94. Okay, the leading score. Okay. 1994 Olympics. Mhm. It's coming. <laughs> was Zygmunt. Palfi. Oh, wow. Czech Republic. Ten points in eight games. Miroslav Shatan. Okay. Second, nine points in eight games. Mm-hmm. Peter Stasny. Late in his career. Wow. Then Hawken Lube. All right. Then how about this? Gates Orlando for Team Italy. Wow, we should There's try to name Gates Orlando on the show. <laughs> He's originally Canadian. Uh, there was no Canadian in the top 11. Peter Forsberg was in a six-way tie for... Sixth, and then it doesn't list anybody after. There that. you go. Amazing. I yeah, think that's a beautiful thing. Bringing back it? some memories of the 1994 Olympics. We're, we're going to have a little fun here, something a little different. I love doing stuff like this. Uh, we're going to set up the Edmonton Motorcycle and ATV show. That'll be fun. Evan Dom's going to drop by. Calgary and Tampa Bay 1-1 halfway through the second.